This week on Ultra 64, the 64 stands for the number of squares on a chessboard. A useless fact that you all now have, because we're playing virtual chess and virtual pool. Welcome to Ultra 64. I had to get that fact out somewhere. It wouldn't really fit in anywhere else. Yeah, there are 64 squares on the, the, on the chessboard. The excitement in this room is palpable. Palpable. Just Cut it with hair, a knife. Hairs are standing on edge from that exciting factoid My, that Steve Guntley has dropped on us. We are all a tingle. Yes, that's <laughs> right. We are the Comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game or two from the Nintendo 64 catalog. And we are playing it and we are attempting to figure out how to castle while fat ladies jump on us. And my name is Steve Guntley. I already told them that, Steve Guntley. But they weren't listening. That's true. Uh, Nobody listens to what I say. Geez, Woody Siskowski, pool hustler and chess <laughs> pusher. Fast Woody Siskowski is in the building. Uh, yeah, that's right. We are, uh, we're, we're taking it to the parlor today. We're putting on our smoking jackets. We are uh, lighting up our pipes, uh, a snifter of brandy at hand. Uh, women forbidden, uh, <laughs> and we are uh, we're playing some popular gentlemanly sports. We have uh, virtual chess sixty four and virtual pool sixty four, just these, like Granddad used to play. Yeah, think of these as the companion games to Le Mans. Yeah. You go out after a good sporting day, um, you come back and relax with some nice pool and was, chess, and then afterwards. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode on the polo games. Yes, absolutely. Uh, fox hunting 64, <laughs> yeah. tally ho, what what? Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, we are talking about chess and pool. I combine these episodes uh, because they're roughly tangentially related, <laughs> I guess. They're that, indoor games. Uh, well, I, I'm i glad we don't have to talk in two separate episodes that's, about chess and pool. That's mostly the thing. Like, we may have been able to fit a whole episode around chess. I don't think we would have been able to fit a whole episode around pool. But I don't know. Y'all can uh, y'all can decide if we even manage to fit a whole episode <laughs> yeah, around both, both of, them of them together. We'll find out. But uh, let's start by talking about chess. I think chess is uh, uh, a fascinating thing that I wish I were better at. Um, so um, the Nintendo 64, you know, some might consider it retro at this time sure. in terms of uh, video games. But if we really want to go retro, we take <laughs> it back chess. to the world of chess. <laughs> the Just, first retro, kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Original retro. It's true. This is one of the oldest continually played games in human history. Uh, it's no big deal. changed remarkably little uh, over the years, surprisingly, for all the different variations there have been. Uh, the basic rules have always been the same. So the earliest version of this dates back to Eastern India around 280 CE, but uh, likely the game is even older than that. That's just kind of the first time we marked Wait, on it Wait, I'm sorry, history. what is 280 CE? That's a common era. So it used to be uh, AD mm -hmm. uh, after death or Anno Domine. Now it's CE, common era, or BCE before common era. That's kind of the way That's that... That's the non-religious phrasing of mm -hmm. dates? Okay. Well, and it's it's not even non-religious, it's just more accurate, because, like, Jesus wasn't born in the year zero. Like, we just kind of say he was. So, yeah, it, it hmm. just gets all kind of weird like that. But, yeah, CE, BCE, that's the new way to do it. So, the original name of the game was Chaturanga, which means the four, divi four divisions of the military. Uh, and it was kind of meant as a military strategy game. It first started gaining popularity during the Gupta Empire of in India in the 6th century. And during this time, India was conquered by the Persian Empire. And the game of chess began to spread throughout the Muslim world, which in turn began to spread into Europe. Uh, and uh, dis despite all the different cultural influences, like I said, the game has stayed remarkably similar. Uh, some of the original names of pieces have changed. So like an elephant is now a bishop, uh, advisor is now a queen, etc., etc., uh, and some of the movement ranges have been changed. It used to be that every piece could only move one space at a time. And okay. that's changed in the more modern play. I think the biggest change came about in the uh, 1400s when the game came to Spain. Up until then, the queen and the bishop were restricted to one space movements. But the Spanish played by what would eventually became, become known as the Mad Queen rules. And it was basically Queen Isabella wanted to uh, have the game reflect her military victories oh, okay. and her, her prowess as a queen. So now the queen is like this ridiculous, all-powerful piece that like entire matches are kind of fought wow. and died over now. So that was uh, entirely about one woman's ego. Uh, so yeah, good for that. 
Um, in the early going, chess was only available to the wealthiest royals and noblemen, which is why it's sometimes referred to as the Game of Kings. And that's not because it's the sixth George R. R. Martin book that we've been <laughs> waiting for. It'll never come. I would say um, the game still has kind of a bit of a highbrow reputation, right? Because I think like our pop cultural understanding of chess is as shorthand for genius. If yeah, somebody okay. on TV or in a movie is playing chess, it's because they are smarter and more cunning than anyone else. Sure. Or sure. they're an underprivileged youth who is uh, miraculously good and can beat everybody in the park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just need that le- leg up from a special teacher. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say it's still kind of a kind of an erudite pursuit. Uh, what's your experience with chess? I feel like you're pretty good at chess. Well, I, I, I feel like you're just making assumptions. You just based have on, cunning eyes. Yeah, you're, you're cunning. Like, yeah. Nerdy demeanor. Um, you seem like a smart guy. You must be good at chess yeah, yeah, yeah um the i have played a decent amount of chess uh, mostly with my father and then there was a time in high school where i did not like going to lunch with other kids so i stayed inside and played chess with the english teacher oh yeah uh, okay we had very similar yeah. high school experiences <laughs> um, <laughs> and most of those people beat me consistently um i would say at this point i'm maybe a four out of ten in, okay. in chess skill um but it is something I don't know. It's 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 a difficult sell to be like, let's sit down and play some chess. It is a little bit. It's yeah. a game that asks a lot of the player. Um, there's a lot of situations where you're just staring at the chessboard and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. And I'm so used to playing games like um, I don't know that some people board games that m- most people would describe as more complicated. Hero but, clicks and stuff like sure, that. Sure, yeah, but yeah. They're, they're, or Magic the Gathering, but those games are in a lot of ways easier mm. because they filter your choices so much. You have a certain amount of cards in your hand or figures on the board um, that you can use, whereas in chess there's so many possible moves at any time, it's really hard to evaluate what the good ones are going to be. I think I read there's something like more than 3 billion possible opening moves yeah. uh, or something crazy like that just because of the different combinations that yeah, you can do. There's infinite permutations of chess games essentially. Yeah. Um, what about you? Do you... I, I was like super into chess when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. So like I actually learned how to play chess on Star Wars chess, a, a PC game. Uh, and I got really addicted to it and I got really addicted to Star Wars at the same time, cool. uh, incidentally. So yeah. that worked out. That was a double whammy game for me. Um, but yeah, I got real into chess. There was a, a chess club at my school in sixth grade, uh, that I, I joined up with for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I played a decent amount for a couple years in there. And then I just kind of abruptly, I didn't even lose interest. I just lost people to play with. Sure. And like you said, I, I think it's. There is something kind of intimidating uh, to people if you ask them to come over and play chess because, mm-hmm. like, I think they they assume if you're asking them that it's because you're really good oh, and you yeah. want to kick their ass or something. And it's mostly I like I, I think I would just want some practice. I, yeah. I do want to play more. Okay. I want to I want to uh, get back into it because I enjoyed it for a long time. Um, never as much as some of the accepted masters of the game, though. Uh, some of the generally accepted all-time greats in the entire game include uh, Magnus Carlsen. Uh, Gary Kasparov, Bobby Fischer, and Anatoly Karpov. Of these names, uh, Bobby Fischer is probably the one that's best known, and he's probably considered he's considered by most to be the best chess player maybe ever, definitely of the modern age. Um, you might know him from movies like Search- Searching for Bobby Fischer and Pawn Sacrifice, which uh, where Bobby Fischer was played by Tobey Maguire. Wait, that movie's actually about chess? Well, Searching for Bobby Fischer, it's kind of a no, misnomer. No, I know Searching for Bobby Fischer is, like, about a kid, right? Yeah, and it's not actually about Bobby Fischer. It's about uh, they're looking for the next Bobby Fischer is kind of what they're doing with that. Oh. But Pawn Sacrifice is a chess movie about... Uh, oh, uh, I always thought that was, like, a spy movie. Oh, yeah, right? it seems like it would be. And Leave Schreiber's in there, and he seems to be in a lot of spy movies. I don't know. Maybe he's in no spy movies. I just think of him <laughs> as a spy. Maybe he's an actual spy. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I didn't really know what that movie's about, but it might be good. Uh, so a little bit about Bobby Fischer. He was a child prodigy who won the U.S. Chess Masters at the age of 14, and he dominated the game throughout the 50s and 60s. Uh, however, brilliant as he was, he struggled with his mental health. Uh, in the 60s, he entered an early semi-retirement from the game, and he lived pretty much in seclusion in a shack in Iceland. Wow. Uh, and he would pop up every once in a while to participate in tournaments. Um, he was a virulent racist and anti-Semite, despite being Jewish. Hmm. Uh, and one of his last like public interviews was on a Filipino radio station on September 12th, 2001, where he uh, 
praised the attackers in the 9-11 attacks, uh, said it was about time that somebody did that to America. Um, troubled guy. Yeah. Troubled guy. He died in 2008, the age of 64. He's buried in Iceland right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely had some issues. Um, Gary Kasparov, I think, is a little more interesting and sane. Um, yeah. he's, uh, uh, he was the reigning chess world champion from 1985 to 2000 which is there, there was an amazing a pretty long i mean there was a rivalry between fisher and kasparov for a while there was a little yeah. bit yeah yeah but kasparov uh, prevailed in that he won his first tournament uh, at uh 22 uh most people recognize his name from a very highly publicized match where kasparov played chess against deep blue which was ibm's cutting edge supercomputer and he lost to the machine this was in 1996 and uh Man, I remember this being like just a staple of late night jokes, SNL mm-hmm. jokes. Futurama made a joke about it. Like it was kind of a big deal that like this man lost to this high powered machine. It was definitely my go to. Like whenever I had to write trivia questions, I would be like, "What was the name of that computer?" That's, yeah, that's just like a go to question. That's me. a good one. I mean, and it might be confusing because the first computer that was taught to play chess, like on a human level, was called Deep Thought. Uh, okay. That was done back in the eighties. So are uh, we going to talk more about sort of computerized chess? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to talk about there. Um, the other interesting thing about Kasparov, though, is that he has become very, very politically active. He's mm-hmm. a uh, outspoken uh, opponent of Vladimir Putin, and he's tried to run for president a couple times. And uh, because Putin's government is so corrupt, they blocked him from doing so. Yes. But he's still the leader of the opposition party and very outspoken, very uh, articulate about the problems with Putin. Uh, interesting guy, Kasparov. He wrote a book about it. It was called The Problems with Putin. Oh. It was recommended age three to five. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the troubles with Tribbles. Yeah. Uh, a couple of uh, random fun facts about chess that I dug up. Because you know what? I find chess very interesting and there's lots of chess weirdo. Chess I think it attracts uh, highly intellectual weirdos. And so <laughs> like, there's always some interesting characters or situations. Uh, the term checkmate comes from the Persian term Shah Mat, which means the king is in danger. Yeah, we know that now. I never knew what that word meant. Uh, the longest game of chess that's theoretically possible is 5,949 moves. So if we put that into context, the longest game of chess that was ever actually played was 269 moves. Oh and gosh. that lasted 20 hours and ended in a draw. Uh, so conversely, the <laughs> shortest possible game of chess is only two moves, and it's called a fool's mate. So basically, you can um, it, it's if you move the pawn over your right bishop one space, mm-hmm. then the pawn over your right knight two spaces, the opponent can move uh, can free up their queen with one move, move the queen out and take it, and, and that's checkmate immediately. So you wow, free up the okay. pawn move it over there to the right, and then that's a fool's mate. Uh, I'm not. I'm probably not visualizing it very well. I can't really speak the grid sure. language that chess players speak. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the shortest possible uh, win is a two-move fool's mate. Uh, this was an interesting story. In 1125, a priest invented the first ever folding chessboard because priests were not allowed to play chess back then, but this priest was uh, obsessed with it. So he he created a folding board that, when folded in half, looked like two books stacked on top oh, of each other. that's so pretty cool. he was being clever. Um, the second ever book printed in English was a chess strategy manual. So it's been very important for a long time. This is kind of a cool story. In... Um, in 1918, there was a Jewish grandmaster named Asif who was facing death by a firing squad uh, when the Bolsheviks were taking over. Um, and one the Bolshevik commander recognized him as like one of the great chess players in the world. He fancied himself a great chess player. So he offered the prisoner a chance to play for his life. Whoa. And if he won the chess match, he would be released, which he did. And he walked away free. Um Holy shit. That would be... I want to see that movie. Like, just an entire movie of that chess match. I mean, I think Ingmar Bergman made that movie. He basically did, yeah. Uh, In 1770, an inventor claimed to have invented a rudimentary AI machine that could beat a human being at chess. This was just kind of a basic mechanical robot. This was later, uh, about 50 years later, proven to be a hoax. It turns out it was just a guy in a box. It was a very talented (coughs) little person. Yeah, yeah, hiding in a box, manipulating the machine I I like that, um... I like that explanation, like, he put out a classified ad, like, looking for little person, must be excellent at chess, and able to play without seeing it. Right? <laughs> you think there's somebody, like, tapping out the uh, the board in, like, Morse code or something against his box? Or something? I don't know. And finally, the last little fun fact I have is that one of the best chess-playing nations in the world is actually Armenia. Uh, that has produced more grandmasters per capita than any other country, and as a result, chess is part of the uh, standard curriculum in Armenian schools. 
But, but I, I think that Russia has the most grandmasters, period. Period, like, not yeah, per yeah. Capita, but, like, but per capita, because yeah. Armenia is very small. So, um, all right, let's talk about chess video games. So chess, obviously, it translates extremely well into video games. Uh, pretty, very easy to recapture <laughs> chess. And as a result, there are more chess games on the market than you can possibly ever keep track of or play. Uh, most of them are pretty straightforward chess games. You could play it in like your um, Facebook Messenger, like it's just right. kind of built is, in there. It's pretty common. This is a tricky area. We we encounter these games every so often of games that we, you would just easily play on your browser now. And yeah, so it's really hard to justify like, oh, I'm going to play this on my N64. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say that this would be easier because it's so accessible everywhere. But I think for our purposes today, it's better to focus on the so-called battle chess subgenre. Sure. Uh, that kind of adds nerdy spins on the classic gameplay. So I think the most direct inspiration for our game today was one called, excuse me, yeah. Battle Chess from 1988. It was a PC game made by Interplay, who we just talked about, in uh, uh, in which the figures were all animated characters, like animated fantasy characters, mm-hmm. wizards and knights and whatnot. And uh, when you went to take a piece, it would cut to a little animated cutscene where they were fighting it out, and then the winning piece would eventually win. It's a clever idea. I remember playing that game in the classroom, like um, when I had some free time. Mm. That game I thought was really cool, and I love. Yeah, I, I. What I do remember about that is I felt like the animations were pretty well integrated into the board. Like they weren't super showy, but they were still kind of clever and. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't big, and I mean they got showier as they went on. Like I said, Star Wars Chess from 1993, which the box may I, the box has it's from the software Toolworks, so the box art just says the software Toolworks. Star Wars chess, mm-hmm. all the same size font. Like that's the so that might be how it's preferred to mm. say. I just say Star Wars chess. I played uh, a whole bunch of Lego chess. Lego which, chess. Where you can play like with pirates or using the old West set. And I that I one actually that sounds more fun. Yeah. I was, there, there was no real Lego mechanics in it. It was just regular chess. I always super um, want... This is not a video game, but I always super wanted a, a Simpsons chess set when I was a oh, kid. Yeah, I just thought that too, was like the height of sophistication. <laughs> so yeah. they, they, they definitely... That's kind of the niche that chess fills now is they just release really high-end like... Like DC Comics did one where yeah. you had to buy like the individual oh, pieces and yeah. they would all be different. So you, in each piece was like 15 bucks. So like a complete chess set would be like... Probably five hundred dollars. That would be so annoying if it's like blind packs too. Like you don't well, know. They, what they you're, weren't blind. Uh, packs, that'd be so. But, that'd be super irritating. Yeah. It's like, oh, finally, I have enough pawns to play. <laughs> um, a couple other games that adapt this formula uh, would include Terminator Two: Judgment Day <laughs> Chess Wars, which. Look up footage of this, because it, it looks pretty terrible, <laughs> even for 1993. It looks well below what you would expect from a Terminator game. And then there's National Lampoon's Chess Maniac 5 Billion and 1. <laughs> uh, I don't know much about this one. I think switch between, like... They call it regular mode and body mode. Oh, okay. So, like, you can play it with, like, dirtier jokes if you wanted to, I suppose. And, I mean, the, the title is sort of a takeoff on the Chess Master, mm. which the Chess Master franchise is kind of, like, the definitive chess video game for a long time yeah of of ones that you pay for yeah, yeah yeah i would say for sure yeah chess master was probably the biggest one um that was on the nes that was an early nes game. yeah it was yeah. on the nes and the super nes yeah and yeah i never played those but i'm sure they're chess i mean games. yeah they're functional they didn't have like any fun animations or anything they were like oh. the, the stuff the stuffed up method but speaking of fun animations let's talk about our game today virtual chess 64 released june 10th 1998 published and developed by titus france and this was an N64 exclusive. So I have told this story on the uh, show before, but as a, as a quick reiteration, when I first saved up enough money to buy my N64, I had enough for the console with Mario 64 packed in and one other game. And I very nearly walked to the register with Virtual Chess 64 in my hand before my sister stopped me and encouraged me to get GoldenEye instead because she wanted something that she could play as well. Uh, she could have played this with you. She, she could have. She was good at chess, yeah. but she thought this looked really boring. Uh, she was okay. wise beyond her years. Um, and I, I think about that now. Like, wow, my life would have been very different if I bought Virtual Chess instead of Gold. I probably would have gotten bored of video games. Guys, I'd be president now. Yeah. Pretty sure I'd be president. But who would who would run the definitive and Nintendo 64 podcast? There'd be no one. There'd be a void left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe I would have helped them out because uh, I could have helped them in their sales. This is one of the lowest grossing games on the system. It only moved about 60,000 units. Probably because it looks ugly as oh, yeah. fuck. Oh my god! It's yeah. I mean, you don't. 
that's definitely the first thing you notice about this game is you don't you don't need your chess games to look great. No, but this game sort of stands out in its badness, much the same Oof. way I would say, much the same way as Paperboy looks. Yeah, you just kind yeah. of look at it and you're like, these are the models that they came up with. They look incredibly unfinished. Uh, they kind of some of the characters, the thinner characters, look like paper dolls with like hinges you know Mm -hmm. how you would put like brads in between the uh, joints to articulate them that's what they look like to me and then the heavier characters are just monsters like they just look like grotesque abominations uh yeah this so all right let's start from the beginning here because the game just jumps in like you you press start and you're in a game uh and it's like wait what's happening yeah like there's no actually have to press start to get to the menu Right. And then you can figure out like and modify your your settings a little bit. So um, there's a rather in-depth training mode uh, that walks you through all the different intricacies of the game. So this actually could be an okay learning tool. Yes, the training um, the training mode is super boring. But yeah, like, but it's exhaustive. Yeah, they show they've got the little Titus mascot, this little red fox, not not the actor. Red <laughs> fox. Not you dummy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just a little fox at the end who kind of explains the basics to you. And it's divided into probably there's probably 30 or 40 different sections of the tutorial. The first one is like there are 64 bo- spaces on a chessboard. Let us move this cursor around the entire board. It's creepy, too, because the cursor is a gloved finger, yeah. all right, like a Mickey Mouse glove. And it's just like one finger pointing and just like sensuously tracing the outline of the board very slowly. You can't skip it. It's making you watch. It's just like, no, no, you watch me. I'm going to draw around the square. Keep watching. Yeah, it's yeah, very it's creepy. It's definitely like goes a little slow at the beginning but as you get down farther it explains the different openings like the fool's mate that you were talking about mm. and then as you get to the very bottom um it actually reenacts like known known games throughout history of, yeah. like because one neat thing about chess is um you can basically transcribe a whole chess game yeah since it, all the squares are numbered and lettered you can be like okay this piece went to e6 or something mm-hmm. like that so there can just be a code of any chess game throughout history where you're like oh i know exactly what happened in that game and so they have basically common written commentary mm-hmm. and descriptions of like a game from 1886 yeah which is just kind of neat and then they it's have cool. sort of grandmaster games where they're like get you in a certain situation they're like okay now you find where the mate is in this game um so i do feel like all that stuff would be helpful in terms of learning chess i think that's that's actually valuable um and the the problem with the game here is that if you play it the way it's kind of advertised the way it's kind of meant to be played it's basically unplayable it's borderline broken yeah so uh, your default so during the training mode yeah. they display it in a 2d grid which just looks like a chessboard with those sort of known silhouettes of the yeah. chess pieces looks like any pack-in pc game yeah yeah, yeah. and then it's, it's easy to tell where things are yeah. um and it plays very nicely but that's not how the game defaults the game defaults on uh, a 3D model of a chessboard floating in a black space. Uh, your pieces are either brown or black. Weird choice uh, to make <laughs> the game even look even more white. drab. Yeah. Uh, and uh, right away, you're at an uncomfortable angle. It's difficult to see. All of the pieces are kind of too big and misshapen looking. Like, I had an honest to God hard time telling the difference between your bishop and your knight. Like, yeah. I had to retrace mentally in my steps where this could have possibly come from before I could figure out if that was a, a knight or a bishop. Yeah, and since it's an overhead angle, it's hard to see those little crosses at the top of the bishop, or it's hard to tell the difference between the king and the queen. And God help you if you try and move that camera. Oh my okay, gosh. because, all right, this has some of the worst camera yeah, controls have I have thought? ever seen. Like the N64, infamous for bad cameras. This game, really bad camera. Virtual chess. Yeah. Who would have thought? Worst camera on the I'm I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say this is the worst camera on the system because this did not need to be here at all. Uh it didn't need a camera control. Uh it really fucked us up. So like you can you can move the board horizontally with C left and then vertically with C right. Yeah, and it's insane to think that they thought you would need a vertical movement. Right. Like you Why can literally you turn the board upside down and look at the bottom of the board, which is just a solid green color. Why would you and need blackness. this? And yeah, it's super bizarre. And so you just end up flipping the board around a bunch of times trying to adjust to the right angle. And it's really hard to get right. And there is no good angle because if you're looking at it directly overhead, everything just looks like circles. Yeah. 
Uh, if you look at it from a slight angle, everything's kind of blurry and mushed and if together. If you look at it from like directly head or sort of horizontally, all your pieces are obscuring the other person's pieces. Exactly. There's really just no good way to go about it. And then we have the animations. Okay, so this is a battle chess game. This is what makes or breaks these battle chess games. Yeah. Having sort of funny animations that sort of give the game some personality and make it sort of more memorable than just... Because, you know, chess is not inaccessible. If you and no. I wanted to play chess, we could find a board for $5 at Goodwill and Anywhere. play chess. Yeah. Um, so you're like, okay, I want something that'll pep it up a little bit. And these animations, they do not deliver. Oh, my God. Okay, so kind of the joy of, like, battle chess and, and Star Wars chess and things like that is that the animations are kind of unpredictable the first time you mm -hmm. watch them. It's like you go in knowing that, yeah, okay, you're you're taking this piece, so your guy's going to win. Yeah. But it looks like you're losing the entire way until some random thing it's happens. Kind of, they're and kind of like little spy versus spy comics. They are, fun. yeah. They're really fun. And this is kind of going for some of that a little bit, but mostly it's just really hard to decipher what's going on. So I think our first attack was just like a pawn-on-pawn pawn attack. Mm -hmm. uh, and the game started glitching out, and the board kept flipping randomly. Like, we would see a little bit of an animation, and then the board would flip really quickly, and then the animation would be over, and we're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. It was interacting negatively with whatever angle we had the board set at. Uh, so we adjusted a little bit later and got different animations. So every character, uh, every, every side has different characters. So, like, the Black Queen looks different from the White Queen and everything like that. Yeah, the Black uh, Queen, very flatteringly, flatteringly is just a overweight w woman. Yeah. Kind of like a, like a stereotypical opera Viking. Exactly, yeah. The the fat lady that sings when you think of... And the, her the hilarious bit is that she'll sit on, jump and sit on people or hug them and then they'll explode. Or she's always trying to kiss them and they kill themselves rather than being near her. Like, yeah. uh, super gross. Yeah, um, it's, it's not good. But it... On top of everything else, it just looks yeah. bad. Okay, so my knight turned out to be like a unicorn, like a little battering ram or something. Well, yeah. Or, so you had a you had a bat battering oh, ram okay. on your team, and then on mine it was a unicorn. Right. And this was the worst unicorn drawing I've ever seen. And I professionally critique five year olds. <laughs> I go to elementary schools. I point at pictures of unicorns and I call them shit to their dumb little faces. And this is worse than that. Yeah. This is worse than those useless children. <laughs> um, I am a professional unicorn yeah, judger. It, the all of the sort of limbs where like the legs connect to the body are just so skinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It and, just and then my my bishop is like a weird looking pixie, but yeah. it took us about the whole animation before we're like wait is that my bishop like what is going on with that it was really not clear it's really unnatural you're the white bishop actually looks like a wizard so it kind of works yeah but and all these animations just take really way longer than they should they're not funny because there's no like hilarious boing effects um there, there's barely any sound at all you get some really bad like sometimes vocal clips or something that sounds like so compressed you can barely hear and then, it yeah and then the character models themselves just ghastly awful, ghastly yeah. just try looking at the label art on this game like if you pick up the loose cartridge look at the label art and tell me what the fuck is going on in that image it kind of looks like the backdrop from frank miller's dark knight rises cover <laughs> with a fat lady crushing a horse on it but that's that's being generous yeah. to say that any of those things look like those things that's that's after years of study and a phd i was able to <laughs> decipher that uh wow yeah so but here's here's what gets interesting about this game Switch it over to 2D mode, turn it into a boring-ass overhead uh, chess game, and it's pretty good. Like, yeah. this has good, sophisticated AI in it. It's got... Uh, Lots of different difficulties. I think there's two beginner modes and then about 12 different AI levels. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of different options to tweak. You can turn on, like, the meditation to make them make their moves while you're thinking... Um, you can um, set up the board, like, however you want. Like, you can create different gameplay scenarios by putting the pieces wherever you want before the game starts. Yeah. There's a lot to do, but... You're, you're. I, I don't understand really how to judge this game on that because they failed at what they were trying to do. Right. But like, they accidentally made a pretty good chess game underneath like a really, really terrible exterior. But I mean, all they would have to do is essentially change the box art for this game and mm -hmm. make it look less horrible on the cartridge and change the default mode to the 2D mode. And then if you wanted to, you could enable the 3D and look at the terrible animations. Yeah. Because what happens is if that's sort of an extra, 
you're like, oh, that wasn't a very good mode, but I'm glad that they threw it in there to mess with. Yeah. Whereas since that's the default mode, you're like, this is terrible. And then you switch it to 2D and you're like, oh, why wasn't it like this the whole time? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just kind of a baffling thing to approach. And I can't, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around exactly how to judge this I mean, game. But I will say this too, like even though the chess in the 2D mode is pretty competent and there's a lot of different modes, I don't think the chess video games are very much fun. And I like yeah. chess, all right. I like chess, but to me, the thing that's fun about chess is sort of sitting down. And this, I, we've encountered this problem a lot, and we're gonna encounter it. Too. I'm gonna bring it up again when we talk about pool. But it's this weird thing of video games that are based on a thing that you could pretty easily do in real life. Yeah. And you're losing like the tactile feel of actually moving the chess pieces and something like that, and looking at another person and interact. You're just and so basically now you're competing with like, do I want to play Ratchet and Clank or do I want to play virtual chess? And yeah. You probably want to play Ratchet and Clank. It's a, it's a hard sell in any case to get me to play a game if it's something I can do in real life, yeah. unless it's like, you know, Stardew Valley or something. But, you know, I don't want to go out and garden every day. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, yeah. So it, and in this case, like the one element that they have that would make me want to play it as a video game is terrible. Like, yeah. 3D virtual chess is one of the worst games on the entire Nintendo 64, but 2D virtual chess, pretty good. Yeah. So, so what do you do with that? Go? What and do you I do mean, with that? But to me, even even the 2D virtual chess, it's just it's going to take a lot for me to play. I feel like the only situation where I'd be really excited about this is if I was just obsessed with chess. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to play Obchest. chess. Yeah. yeah. Even when I'm by myself, I need to go through all these tutorials. I need to get really good. And I've just never been at that level, and I don't think very many people are, no. which explains the low sales of this game. Did you ever do that, try and play solo chess? No, oh, like okay. both, si both I, sides. I saw somebody do it on TV when I was a kid, and I thought it looked super cool and smart, <laughs> but like, I would immediately take sides. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, no, I, I, I want this guy to win, so I would start playing badly on the other yep. team to yep. let me win. Uh, so not a good idea. Yeah, that's virtual chess. Um, let's move on to our next, to the other part of the parlor here. Let's uh, let's pick up our, our snifters and move to the other side of the room because we're going to talk about pool. Um, what's your experience with pool? Did you have much uh, uh, access to it on the island? Or, or Yeah, I mean, not too much. I mean, pool is so closely associated with going to the bar. Yeah. Like, we, did, we didn't have a table at home. Or, we had, like, one of those. Do you know those... Um, Things were they like the top was a foosball table, mm. and then you could take it off, and under was like a very undersized pool table. Oh, sure, yeah. We had one of those, except the pool table was so undersized that it's really not the same experience. Kind of useless, yeah. Um, yeah. and I've played it. I play occasionally. I think my grandfather had one. He was a very like put leave the snifter of whiskey on the gun cabinet and go play some pool. That's cool. Um, That's cool. Yeah, next to his picture of like the big elephant he shot in um, <laughs> Africa. But um, that's cool. Yeah. You but, know, it, it was a it, certain grandpas have immunity. Certain um, grandpa, safari, yeah, safari immunity. It's true. It's true. You kind of get the it's the Hemingway rule. Yeah, yeah you get, exactly. You get grandfather. Literally grandfather. Yeah, literally grandfather. Um, and I was just never that good. Again, I always I played with my dad, who is quite a good pool player. Okay. Um, I feel like this yeah. was much more important for our dad's generation. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it is associated a lot with some boomer nostalgia. Um, because all the images you see of like old uh, pool halls back in the 50s, you cruise around with your best girl, you pop in, <laughs> you shoot some pool, and you drink some Budweiser. And yeah. If I do go to a bar, which I don't do often because I find bars pretty boring, I will play mm -hmm. pool because yeah. I find bars pretty boring. If they don't have so. a pinball machine or a skee-ball yeah. machine, yeah. yeah or totally. the shuffleboard. There's a lot of things the I guess I'd rather do. That Cabela's thing with the oh, gun. Yeah, yeah. That's always a good time. Uh, golden golden tea. tea. I love golden tea. tea. I love golden tea. Um, yeah, we, we actually had a pool table when I was a kid, wow. well, when I was in high school. Yeah. My Kind of an impulse purchase of my dad's, I think, <laughs> when I was like 16 or 17. He got a really nice big pool table. It uh, overtook our dining room. We did not have a big house, but we had a big pool table in this house. And uh, so, yeah, he, my we my parents had hopes that we would invite friends over to play pool there and, like, it would become a big thing. And I never really super got into it. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I would I would play a few rounds and I would get bored. Yeah. Um, and then eventually everybody else got bored. My sister was really good at it. I think she probably still is. 
uh, to the point where she was actually hustling some of her friends nice. because she's a 90 pound girl and <laughs> they were underestimating her because all of her friends are weird dudes. So like she would wipe the floor with them. Foosball too. Like, you cannot touch my sister in foosball. She'll kick your ass. Nice. Um, but I was never all that good at it. I never really got into it. Um, but yeah, I'm the same. If I'm in a bar and it has it, um, I'll play once in a while. I mean, it's a, it's it kind of falls into the same. It's very similar to like golf or yeah. bowling where sort of it's frustrating until you sort of get a real handle on the fundamentals. You're kind of just farting around making random stuff happen. Yeah. And eventually like something clicks and you're like, oh, I see how this works and I see how to play it well. And I don't think you and I ever got to that point. No, no, but, never really. Yeah, I imagine it gets more fun once you get there. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, can just, actually hit a ball where you intend to. I, I never, yeah, I never got to that point, but you know, God bless you. I have nothing against it. It's no. fine. Um, well, it's, it's a very aesthetic game. It is. It, it's, it's like... The clackety-clacks. Yeah, the, the clacks of the balls and the um, the green velvet. Yeah, it's, yeah, very... It's kind of an iconic-looking table, at least. Like, yeah, yeah if nothing else. Well, let's learn a, bit, a little bit about pool. So, modern pool dates back to England in the mid-1800s, but the game has its original origins in lawn croquet games played by the French aristocrats in the 1500s. The name billiard actually comes from the French word for mace, which is what they called the cue stick, which was invented in the 1600s. Um, So uh, like chess, bowling, and many of the other games we've discussed, pool was originally a pursuit of the upper class males, uh, usually reserved in private clubs and things like that. Uh, The game was brought to the U.S. by English and Dutch settlers in the 1700s, and before long, it became a staple of not uh, high-class private clubs, but saloons and bars of, like, working-class people. And I think it's kind of been associated with that ever since. Uh, It's a barroom staple, and I think it's kind of associated with a certain breed of, like, dive bar. Like, not, like, menacing dive bar, but I think, like... Yeah. When you feel like going to a dive bar, it's like a, a likable dive it's bar. It's a yeah. weird thing because like pool is kind of the pool table you do often. <laughs> I love the the music man, right? Where he's like the pool table is going to open up rules to all this debauchery because um, you got trouble with the pool table. Yeah, but oh, that's also, right. But there's also sort of on the upper class end, there's like billiards and things like that, which like is a whole sort of different game or like snooker, which yeah. like is someone's only going to have at like their fancy mansion. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Uh, so professional pool tournaments are overseen these days by the APA or the American Pool Players Association. Pool player, one word. Who would have known? Yeah. Um, Shouldn't it be APA? Yeah, APA. No, APA, yeah. But uh, that body has only been around since 1979, and professional pool tournaments go back much farther. It's hard to pin down exactly when it started, but there were um, there are historical archives of like old newspapers where during the Civil War – there were headlines about pool tournaments while like civil war events were like relegated to the smaller thing. People cared more about pool tournaments than what's actually going on in the civil war for a lot of uh, uh, the 1860s and seventies. So probably maybe the most iconic pool moment in American pop culture history. I'm going to say the hustler, right? Wouldn't you say? I have no, I I have no idea. I can't think of one. So I'll take your word on The Hustler. Oh, so you haven't seen The Hustler with Paul Newman? Okay, 1961, uh, great film, and that that has him uh, as Fast Eddie Felsen, who is kind of a a no-good pool hustler, like in the fits of a depression. Very depressing movie, but Mm -hmm. very good. Um, They made a sequel to this in 1986, uh, The Color of Money, which was directed by Martin Scorsese, and it also starred Tom Cruise. Green, right? Uh, It is, uh, well, it depends on what country you're in. Oh, yeah. But I think this was set in America, so yeah, that kind of like sickly In Canada, you get real problems because there's so many different colors. Oh, yeah. The color of money up there is pink with some clear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you're doing loonies and toonies, it's a whole other thing. Um, so yeah, that movie, uh, The Color of Money, uh, Paul Newman won his Best Actor Oscar for that, and a lot of people say it was kind of like a makeup Oscar yeah. because they thought he should have gotten it for the hustler, which I agree with. Um, and that that's just not as good a movie, but the hustler is definitely a, a good movie worth checking out. But I think the game, like I said, it's just kind of associated with a certain breed of like boomer masculinity, you know? Um, yeah. You see lots of like, I don't know these nostalgia stores aren't really around anymore. Do you remember seeing those stores with just like posters of like James Dean and like Marilyn yeah. Monroe in yeah. different situations that they were never actually in? <laughs> There's so many of those with those people playing pool yeah. or like sitting on a car in front of a diner, stuff like that. <laughs> like that's just kind of what I think of when that's at. Um, so to quickly clarify the difference between pool and billiards and snooker, these are yeah. all kind of similar things that are used interchangeably. 
So billiards is kind of a catch-all term for the whole family of like this kind of table games, but it is also its own game. It's kind of like a biological like family tree of kind like, the species versus the genus. Exactly. <laughs> species billiardus uh, yeah. genus pulis. Um, so for our purposes, when we're talking about pool, we're talking about a cue-based game played on a table with six pockets. Uh, and uh, billiards itself is played on a table with no pockets. It's sometimes called carom billiards because your points are counted by how many times you can uh, bounce the ball off of the rails. Okay. And then snooker is like a variation of pool. It's more popular in the UK and Europe. And it's pretty similar to regular pool, except it just has a bigger table and you use 15 balls. That's okay. kind of the big difference there. So now you all know that. Uh, for pool video games, there are some, uh, amazingly. There are quite a few. Uh, the earliest one I could find was Video Hustler, which uh, was not one of the triple uh, X rated <laughs> yeah. games from the makers of Custer's Revenge. Uh, that was released on the ColecoVision in 1981. There's really not much notable about it except to say it's one of Konami's very first games. So, you know, there you go. Uh, pool games never super prominent, always pretty niche, uh, but the NES had a couple. The NES had Side Pocket and Break Time. Uh, which were not terribly big hits. But I think the one that always stood out to me was a Genesis game called Minnesota Fats Pool Legend. Are you familiar with this one? Just by the title. I'm by sure the, the same reason that it stood out to you, right? It mostly stood right. out to me because the uh, the cover image is sideways. Like, uh, they they have, like, a, a, a horizontal shot of, fast, of uh, Minnesota Fats bent over the table, and the Genesis box orientation, like, this would have worked if it was a Super Nintendo. Oh, I get But because it. of the way the Genesis box is oriented, he's, like, shooting a pool cue up a wall <laughs> um kind of an odd look but they did get the license of uh rudolph minnesota fats wanderone sure, very expensive license oh very expensive he was 81 at the time that game came out died the next year um he's often considered the best pool player of all time he actually took his nickname from jackie gleason's character in the hustler so oh, okay. he, he played a guy like a notorious uh, pool shark named minnesota fats and uh, I thought that would have been based on a real guy, but no, the real guy is based on the fake guy. Uh, but yeah, he was apparently a really good player. Um, these days, it's actually pretty rare to see a pool video game released on a console or given a physical release at all. Uh, the most recent title was called Snooker 19. It was released last year as a downloadable title for most consoles. Uh, I shockingly let that one slip <laughs> by. I can't believe I didn't play it. Let's talk about this one, though. Virtual Pool 64, released December 17th, 1998, developed by Solaris and published by Crave Entertainment. And once again, we have a Nintendo 64 exclusive. And we can tell because the cover art, the 64 in Virtual Pool 64 is a ball. So it's a 64 a ball. 64 ball. Yeah, which doesn't exist, I don't think. And do we know anything about Solaris, aside from that it starred George Clooney? <laughs> based on the Tar Tarkovsky I, film? I prefer the Tarkovsky one, but yeah. you know, the Clooney one, not bad. I watched Stalker, and that was enough for me. I'm Ooh. like, okay, no more of this. <laughs> See, I watched Stalker, I'm like, I want to watch every Tarkovsky okay. film. So Andrei Rublev, it's a three-and-a-half-hour movie about a guy building a bell, and it's fascinating. <laughs> Anyway, we have talked about Crave a little bit with Fighting Force 64 and Milo's Astro Lanes. <laughs> two beloved games. Two in the, favorites. In this Everyone loves those. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to check in on them once more when we get to the Gex games. Uh, Solaris pretty much produced only pool games. Okay. Um, they, they shepherded the main series of uh, virtual pool games since the first one in 1995, but they haven't released a major game since Virtual Pool 4 in 2012. So yes, this is a series. This uh, this game that we're playing today is the fourth out of 11 games in the Virtual Pool series. Uh, that started on the PC in 1995. I'm going to go ahead and say this is the premier billiards simulator out there because I don't want to see if there's anything better. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, this is definitely so, the only uh, Nintendo 64 pool game. So pool games, I think, are like an impossibility. I yeah. don't think that you can get a pool game that is going to be great. Because mm. there's pool, pool is composed of two things. Yeah, it's composed of physics. Yeah, and it's composed of the way the game actually feels to play, like sort of the way you lean on the table or sliding that stick back and forth in your knuckles. Ah, oh, you can just feel it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it feels really nice. It's got a distinct feel of when you hit hit the balls, and like games just can't mimic either of those things no to the degree that you want like no matter how accurate the physics is you're still you, using your thumb you're still using your thumb or even if you were using motion control it's just not going to feel the same it's true and, and so like they have two ways to go like the nes games in some ways 
like are would be more fun because you have there's no sense of approximation of physics like you're just trying to hit a ball sort of directly and you assume that that's is going to go where it looks like in the game yeah whereas the more you try to get realistic the sort of more the inaccuracies in the physics that pop up yeah yeah I, I think Virtual Pool 64 is kind of doing the best they can mm-hmm. with what they have. And I think it's intensely boring as a game, as an yeah. experience. Um, but it's not as boring as the NASCAR games. Not as boring as the NASCAR games. I don't know. So this, this well, game, they really do. I will say they do an excellent job of providing a lot of content for they just really being a do. pool game. They really do. And you have to give them credit for what they achieve. I think I honestly do think they've made the best pool game possible uh, with Virtual Pool 64. Um, I think I think they did everything right. I think it's just boring. <laughs> um, that's my biggest issue with it. Also, uh, this is a, a, a double whammy of games with terrible box art because this one, every time I look at the cartridge on this, I think it's been torn. Because mm. you know how like sometimes if you get like a, a, an old blockbuster copy and someone removes the, the sticker, sticker it just yeah. tears it off. That's what this looks like because there's only art on the bottom like fourth of the label. And then the way that it just cuts out to pure white just looks like somebody fucked up the label. Oh, got it. Uh, very little. Yeah, just just kind of like poorly designed. I don't know. I don't mean to harp on that. It's just, well, you know, it's, it's always like, wow, this is noteworthy. This looks broken. Yeah, and it's, I mean, there's not a ton of like presentation here. Like, no. What, this game, basically, you exist in sort of a ethereal space where no humanity yeah. exists. You, you pool just, cues have risen up and taken over the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yet they continue to live their pool life. Like, they, they don't decide to do other things. They're like, oh, well, this is what we know. This is what we do. They're like the zombies in Dawn of the Dead. They go to the mall because that's what they remember, yeah. you know? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're just sort of in this sort of pool hall with no one around. You can create a profile for yourself, mm-hmm. um, but there's no, like, avatars for the characters no um and then you can select the game and there's a ton of different games in this there are 11 different varieties on pool here which is pretty cool i think that we forget that like because most people just play eight ball like how many different variations of pool there are and that play very differently they do most of them um you know eight ball you want to hit down the solids or the stripes and you're going for sort of what's available but the other games tend to be more strategic um, like they're like you need to hit in the 10 ball but you have to hit the lowest number ball first so it's really right. all about lining up one perfect shot as opposed to um, you know just hitting what's available yeah and thankfully um, <clears throat> when you select any of these games you can press start and go into the game information mm-hmm. and it will actually tell you how to play the game which is good since we only knew how to play eight ball no it was very nice it, this reminded me a lot actually of the golden nugget games which mm-hmm. were pretty good about explaining the rules of everything to you uh and they did their best with craps we never figured out how to play craps but they did their best um yeah so this is kind of like that uh so you have those 11 main modes you also have uh, a tournament mode you can do up to 32 rounds in that playing against ai opponents and there's kind of like a freestyle mode, which is also sort of a trick shot. Wait, there's um, two different things. So yeah. The basic freestyle mode is you can just sort of move the cue ball to wherever you want um, all the time and set up the table how you want. Um, and then you can go into the options and they have like preset shots. So they'll put like two in this ball, two near this hole and two two balls near that hole. And yeah. you have to be like, okay, hit them in with one shot. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like the puzzle mode and like Tetris Attack or something. Sure. Like yeah. Just not quite as gratifying, but <laughs> no. you know. A few things are. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it took us a minute. It, well, it took me a minute to figure out the controls yeah, of everything. I feel, like the, I feel um, like that's something that really holds this game back is like the controls are way more complicated than they should be. Well, and again, it's trying to be a very accurate simulation of what chess is like. So it wants to get, uh, or to pool, sorry. It's, pool. It, it, it's, it would be uh, a very strange choice. I've like, been playing chess wrong. I yeah. used a stick, right? Yeah. <laughs> no wonder no one wants to play with me. I'm just making a mess <laughs> on the floor every time. Um, yeah, so it, it's trying to simulate the accurate physics of a pool game. And so it wants you to have control over like where specifically you're hitting the cue ball yeah. and how hard you're hitting it and what angle you're viewing it from so it gives you all these options which is nice it it just took me a little bit to sort it out because the presentation like we said is very very bland yeah. and kind of all of your commands are kind of up in the top uh third of the screen and look like a little menu but the way it's constantly cycling and like moving when you press a button kind of makes me think of like a like a dos startup screen or something like that where it's just like it looks like it's processing things on its yeah, own and i've really just like we've 
most of the N64 games that we played as people who enjoyed the N64 and didn't do it for a podcast yeah, yeah. were made good intuitive use of the C buttons. And I've come to realize how much of the N64 library has no idea what to do with the C button. Which is so strange and because it's it's essentially just like a six-button Genesis controller or, yeah. or, or, or a four-button like PlayStation controller. But they just never sort of get any logic there. So yeah. like you're going to hold left C to sort of pick up the ball and then, you know, all right C like replay gives you a replay. Yeah. And it's like you got to make these consistent between what is what like R should be pick up the ball or something. Right. One thing that the controls do which is not immediately intuitive but I do think is the right choice is to actually, you know, hit the ball you're going to pull back on the joystick and push it forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, that mimics it about as good as it can. Um, no, I don't think any of the golf games we played did that. Um, I don't recall exactly. I think so. they were all kind of of the three button, like tap, 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 yeah, second power Yeah, but it's also thing. not, it doesn't feel as precise because it's really hard to sort of figure out how much power is in your shot. Right, totally. And once you actually hit it, the frame rate seems to just kind of fall apart. Like it, you just kind of will hit the ball and then they'll just kind of disappear. And you're like, well, I hope that they win in the hole. Yeah, the camera doesn't shift around to follow where your shot went. Like, yeah. I think that'd be nice if like maybe like a little smaller window popped up in the upper corner yeah. so you could see what your balls are doing. I think that would have been a nice feature because like, you don't know. It's like, okay, well, what's, what just happened behind me? Why am I winning? Like, I have no clue. Uh, yeah, so they have that going for it. Uh, you know, I, I found the, the analog stick control pretty uh responsive like it, it, you could you can dial in the strength that you're hitting it with like mm-hmm. it's not all going to be just the one speed and you can't there is room for subtlety and nuance yeah. there so that was pretty well done i thought um yeah not just what else is there to say i'm trying to think uh, of something okay. else to so say, what, like what, nice what are our basic i mean yeah like i said it's just it's so feels kind of lifeless um the, the it, music drove me nuts both the music the music in both of these games today is just like it exists, but I, I, I found the you know what it, it made me think of be. like uh, the Amazing Dinosaur Adventure or something that would come as a pack-in game with your Dell to show off your new CD-ROM in 1994. Okay. Sure, it's it's like that level, like very kind of manufactured, uh, family-friendly, non-offensive video game. Yeah, music. I can't even I can't even picture it in my mind. Yeah, here right now. Um, yeah. I did like in the pool game um, when you click on the different options, they will make the clacking ball noises. That's nice. Like, yeah, which is good. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm. Might we have the least to say about this game? Is any possibly I mean, like I I I don't have any ill feelings towards this game. Uh, I, I I do. You do? Yeah. Like I, I I think that um, it just it feels so lifeless. There's just no joy in the presentation. I think that they needed some sort of some sort of human avatars here to give the feeling of like oh you're in a bar and you're maybe you're playing against people maybe some sort of betting mechanic sure the characters have like funny names like what was what was Susie first... Betpour Susie Betpour Bet, yeah, um, yeah sort of the first person you play and she's kind of you, you met combined her as the glass joe type because she seems very terrible at pool yeah 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 which is a good good place to start yeah just some sort of mode like that where you sort of climb up the local pool shark ranks yeah just something to give this game personality i mean it says it right there on the poorly designed label this is virtual pool uh you are getting what you expect uh nothing more (laughs) um pretty basic but i can't really hate it i think it's a very very competent game for what it's trying to do i think it's just desperately needs an infusion of personality like you said something to make it worth going back to for any reason i I don't know i mean because the personality in virtual chess 64 was sort of our biggest criticism of it so we're going both ways trying to have it both ways it's like okay i I want you to personality but i want your personality to not be shitty like yeah yeah i think that's not unreasonable to ask you know virtual chess personality out the ass but it's shitty Um, well, thank you, everybody. Let's move on to our rankings real quick here. So every week we are ranking the games that we have just played and adding it to our ever-expanding and sadly a shortening list of N64. We don't have too many left. We have enough. We got like 75-ish, something like that. So keep, put out some new N64 games, people. Come we'll, on. We'll review them. Yeah, we'll do it. Put them out, send them to us. We'll play them. You get free coverage. Uh, where are you starting on this? Uh, one? All right. Um, so I just want to clarify that if you love chess and it's yeah. your favorite thing in the world, and you have a Nintendo sixty four and no friends, 
Virtual Chess 64 should shoot to number one on your list. <laughs> um, but also, you probably have a computer because you're listening to this and you can play it on that. Also, you um, probably need some serious help. Yeah, I think. That, that's you, reach out, talk to so, us. So, um, for our situation, I'm going to put it at number 139, okay. which is under some wrestling games, which I don't even remember which ones. Yeah, Just a bevy of, of wrestling games. Um, you know, functional chess, but I even functional chess is still not going to drag me in virtually yeah i'll play real I'll happily play real chess with you, sure Steve. definitely um virtual pool i liked less because i like pool less than chess okay and i feel like trying to mimic physics in an n64 game is just not very satisfying so that's going at number 159 which is right under the quarterback club games Oof. um and ahead of buck bumble oh wow okay okay um, I I went the other direction on this one. I liked Virtual Pool much better than Virtual oh, Chess. Oh wow! I'm um, surprised. I'm giving this Virtual Pool. I'm putting at number 112. Uh, that's just under Wheel of Fortune. Wow, that um, is a that is a very strong difference. It's quite a, it's quite a difference there. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. Like I said, I I I. It's this is a very boring game, but it's effective at what it's trying to do, and it does what it's trying to do well. It's just not something I like. Um. And then for virtual chess, I was very split on this one, so I'm kind of being a little generous to it, I think, and putting it number 150 right underneath Monopoly, which oh, is another sure. game that I think is comparable to this in like trying to uh, trying to execute a uh, uh, board game on the N64. It just doesn't quite work. Um, like I said, there's there's a there is a good basic chess game buried in Virtual Chess 64, but the fact that you have to turn off so many of the features that the game was sold on in yeah. order to enjoy it seems like a big problem. To sure. Me. Um, well, great. That's a uh, virtual chess 64 and virtual pool 64. Thanks everybody for listening. We have a couple of letters oh here, which gosh. we always love. You yes. can always send us letters at ultra 64 podcast at gmail.com. Like the light at the end of the tunnel. We had to oh, play man. chess and pool games. And now well, we actually get to hear interesting people's thoughts on things. Exactly. And guess what? We're going to be reminiscing on clay fighters. Oh. So already <laughs> more interesting than chess. Yes. Yeah, we said it. Clay Fighter 63 and a third was one of the first fighting games I ever played, so naturally my view of the genre was skewed until I played Smash 64, Soul Calibur, and the like. Anyway, it was a short it was short-lived since my mom greatly objected to Hoongan's constant cluck use. Sure. And the yeah. games quickly disappeared from my rotation. Still, that and Bad Mr. Frosty's get 'em little buddy still ring in my head to this day. Beyond the tinny voice lines of Clay Fighter, what fighting game quotes have stuck with you through the years? Love the show. Keep up the good work. And that's from Danny in Philly. Thank you, Danny. Um, so fighting game quotes is stuck in my head. Uh, yeah, Cluck You got very annoying. I'm with your mom on that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, that would got... Those, those voices really do get... I mean, the voice acting, you know, they, it's well-delivered in that game. Yeah. So they do stick in They got head. the best of the best, but yeah, man, they're terrible. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, I think I just always go back to... Mortal Kombat every time. Get over here. Get over here is my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hate being basic about that, but like, you, you can't really do better than get over here. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the I mean Hadouken and we, we have we ever figured out what Ryu says when he does that hurricane kick? Like, what does it sound like again? It's like his psych back Barukat. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's just It's just nonsense. But it, it has endured, and he said it the whole time. Um, oh, I have a new one. Falcon Punch! Oh, yeah, it's Falcon, Falcon Punch, Punch is yeah, definitely Falcon a Punch classic. I, I'm going to go uh, Sonic Boom. <gasps> Sonic, like Boom. Sonic Boom. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I like, I'm, I'm going to be thinking of these all day now. Yeah, I'm gonna it, be it's like, weird to imagine, like... I just let's imagine a reality where you like were watching an MMA fight. Yeah, yeah. And like before they punched every time, he's like head punch. <laughs> oh man, that should Atomic happen. Knee. Oh man. Okay. Oh, I just thought of another one. A Marvel versus Capcom two. Tornado claw. Yeah. Tornado claw. Yeah. Every time you do that with Wolverine. Berserker barrage. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. No, really. The one, the other one that stands out for me is the soundtrack from Marvel versus Capcom. Cap on two where you're picking gonna take your character. you for a ride yeah. bap, bap. because it's the bap, most bap, bap, non-fitting bap, bap. thing ever it's terrible yeah. <laughs> all right thank you danny that was an awesome letter oh, i have another long one here uh hi steve and woody this upcoming week's episode this is last week uh this upcoming week's episode reminded me of the bizarre period of my life when i would semi-regularly rent clay fighter 63 and a third from blockbuster probably because it was the only fighting game i could convince my mom to rent for me mm-hmm. how bad of an influence could pieces of clay fighting be <laughs> The only fighting games I'd played in the 16-bit era were my friend's copies of Mortal Kombat and Primal Rage. 
So who knows why I gravitated to the series? It may, might have been the inclusion of Earthworm Jim. For what it's worth, if you played a bunch of Primal Rage, Clay Fighters probably seems pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Primal Rage is not Clay. very good. It's really not. Uh, when I heard that Sculptor's Cut was coming out as a rental exclusive, I sought out a school friend whose mother worked at a blockbuster and made him promise that she would set aside a copy for me to purchase at some point in the future. When it finally came out, I rented it and had an epiphany. These games were not at all good. The level design was drab and depressing. The claymation sprites were unappealing. The combat was lousy and repetitive. And the sound samples quickly became annoying. I couldn't walk away from these games fast enough. I just never brought up the blockbuster deal with my school friend ever again and promptly forgot about owning a copy of Sculptor's Cut. Though, given how much it goes for now, I kind of wish I had. I have been clay fighter free for almost 21 <laughs> years and in counting. I didn't try fighting games again until Soul Calibur a few years later, which I still love very much. Keep up the good work, guys. And that's from Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I love that story. And I also have to point out, like, Mike, your email came in literally the moment we pressed stop on the recording of a clay fighter. If you'd sent it two minutes earlier and I looked at my phone, it would have happened last but week. But we did bring up a lot but of things you talked about. So we certainly drab, did. Drab level design and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, it, I found that very drab. It's um, funny that, uh, it's funny to think that clay fighter and um, soul caliber exist in the same genre. It is. Like, it's very strange. Like, Col- it's like, it's like, is like two years old, newer. Like, yeah, it's like saying like six- Puccini and, Insane Clown Posse are both music. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Yeah. technically, same. Um, All right, one last letter here. Uh, Hey there, Steve Woody, a nebulous potential guest. Very nebulous today. They're as nebulous as it comes. Uh, Been listening since you guys did your Flophouse ad spot. Thank you. And you've quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you again. Aw. The way you blend legitimately interesting information on such a wide array of topics while also shining a spotlight on the full catalog of such nostalgic Nintendo system makes every episode a nice weekly treat. But enough with the compliments. Let's get into some hopefully light controversy. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you guys? (laughs) Enough with the compliments. Um, Do you guys have any favorite or well-loved games where you're going against the grain by still liking them? For example, one of mine is Donkey Kong 64. Mm. The general opinion of the game hasn't been very kind in recent years, probably including ours, uh, with its collect-a-thon to the max approach of getting plenty of criticism. Despite it being an unpopular opinion, I still count DK64 amongst my top three favorite games, alongside Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, another weird cut there, um, and Okami. Okami's uh wait Okami's the one where you play as the wolf. Okay, I was I was confusing it with the pinball one. That's Odama. Thank you. That would be a real deep cut. That's a real deep cut. If you if your favorite games are Metroid Prime Two, Donkey Kong sixty four, and Odama, very weird. But Okami, I get. I love Okami. Um, I've replayed it plenty of times too, so it's not just my nostalgia goggles talking for me. What games are your guys' DK64, the games that you still love, even though everyone else still rags on them? Thanks for the great podcast, and that is from Jared. Thank you, Jared. I love that. Um, so our kind of hot takes on games are games that we liked that other people didn't like. I feel like I have a very, very recent example. I feel bad because I feel like this is the, I literally just finished playing this game (laughs) yesterday. So it's just freshest in my mind, but I was kind of surprised to go back after finishing this and seeing that the critical reception was kind of, uh, negative to dismissive. And that was the game Detroit Becoming Human. Okay. Um, I just finished it. It's by Quantic Dream, who did Heavy Rain. And they, they kind of do the interactive cinema kind of subgenre of games. And um, I thought this one had a lot of really insightful moments. Some of the stuff about... Uh, it's a lot about race and civil rights and abuse. And it's covering a lot of heavy topics. And it's not always covering them very subtly, which I think uh, is, is uh, part of the struggle for people. But the way that it integrates like kind of quick time events into these things is pretty cool. And there are some very nice images and the world feels very fleshed out and very well lived in. Um, I, I, I really enjoy the experience and it has so many different branching paths. It'll be a different game every time you play it. So I'm kind of curious to get back into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say Detroit. I, I really, I liked that one and it's, I'm surprised it didn't get a uh, better reception. Um, I, you know, this is, there's a lot of games that I could, think of but as soon as the question gets asked it kind of goes blank i yeah. will reinforce that the top game on my n64 list is nba hang time <laughs> it's still I a hot like tip people i people like that game but probably don't associate it as being the best game on the system it, yeah um, yeah so what i'm going to go for here is uh, the game metal gear solid 2 sons of liberty okay i feel like very similar to donkey kong 64 
it was kind of a big deal when it came out and mm-hmm. like people's opinions on it have kind of turned but i think that game is super cool yeah and um the ending of that game just totally blew my mind i it was admittedly like the first metal gear solid game i played so i didn't know what to expect mine too um, mm-hmm. but i i think that game is really cool it's one of those games though that i am kind of like i have super fond memories of playing it but i am a little worried to go back and play it again that's cause... that's a game like uh I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's brilliant, but I, I it it's kind of like uh, the movie Magnolia. It's uh-huh. like, if you tell yes. me that you love Magnolia and it's your favorite movie, I'm like, I get that. If you tell me it's a pretentious piece of shit that you can't sit through, I get yeah. that. Yes. I think I tend to be more in the masterpiece category of things, but yeah. like... That's, Metal that's Gear an excellent an excellent comparison. It's kind of the same thing, like because it it I love how bold it is. I love that like I mean taking away your main series character after the first three hours and yeah. giving you a totally different guy. Weird gambit. Uh, don't know if it paid off, but weird gambit. Weird flex. And then the plot gets just so crazy and Kojima e and insane by the end. Uh, but it's a really quality game. Yeah. Um, like top to bottom, it's just uh, endlessly entertaining. So good call on that one, Metal Gear Solid Two. Well, thank you all for the amazing letters. We love getting letters for everybody. So yeah, if please, any of you uh, have like his like nostalgia for Virtua Chess and Virtual Pool, send those in. Because <laughs> I want to know that you exist. Yeah. I'm curious if you do. Um, next week, uh, we are we're, we're unfortunately sticking with a little bit of a, a, a boring thread here, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make it up to you guys by the end of the month. I promise. Uh, we got a couple of other uh, generic racing games coming up oh next my week. Gosh. This week we're going to be dealing with Roadsters, V-Rally 99, and Rally Championship 2000. Three games I couldn't pick out of a lineup. I have already forgotten their And luckily, we have a bunch of questions from listeners that we can uh, fill in in between these games like we tend to do with racing games. So uh, if you have any others, please send them, ultra64podcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, we'll incorporate those into the show because we still have a couple of racing episodes left. Uh, so many of these to get through, so... <laughs> Stick around for that. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash ultra64pod. Uh, as of this recording, we just released a new bonus episode where we're talking about home improvement on the Super Power Nintendo. Tools Pursuit. Power Tool Pursuit, uh, which again, that we had a surprising amount of fun with. So check that one out. And we've got all kinds of uh, back episodes and yeah, cool stuff coming forward. Double digits of episodes on there. Now. Yeah, we're yeah, about that. Between the month, so. between the bonus and the, the beyond episodes, we're putting out quite a bit and it's just stacking up. So uh, check that out. Also, check out our other podcast Jest Friends uh, that's the podcast where we're reading through all of David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest 50 pages at a time we are coming up on 700 pages into this beast yeah. so we are we are getting close to the end there and so if, you, uh, if you just want to pick that up now yeah got a lot of catching up jump but, in on yeah. page 700 and yeah absolutely <laughs> it'll um, probably make just as much sense to you yeah <laughs> as it does if you start from the beginning exactly um, all right. Well, I think we're going to get out of here, so I'm just going to move my knight to rook four and your move. Okay. Oh, you sunk my battleship. Damn it. Oh, that's how I lose. Yeah, yeah that's the reverse chess nine. rules. That's mad queen rules. Everything's played on different boards and you lose every time you win. Shot. But just as I say, it takes judgment, brains, and maturity to score in a bop line game. I say that any boo can take and shove a ball in a pocket. And I call that sloth the first big step on the road to the depths of degradation. I say first medicinal wine from a teaspoon then beer from a bottle and the next thing you know your son is playing for money in a pinchback suit and listening to some big out-of-town jasper hearing him tell about horse race gambling not a wholesome trotting race no but a race where they set down right on the horse like to see some stuck-up jockey boy setting on dan patch make your blood boil well i should say now friends let me tell you what i mean you got one two Three, four, five, six pockets in a table. Pockets that mark the difference between a gentleman and a bum with a capital B and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. And all week long, your River City youth will be frittering away. I say your young men will be frittering. Frittering away there noontime, suppertime, chore time too. Get the ball in the pocket. Never mind getting dandelions pulled or the screen door patched or the beefsteak pounded. Never mind pumping any water till your parents are caught with a cistern empty on a Saturday night, and that's trouble. Yes, you got lots and lots of trouble. I'm thinking of the kids in the knickerbocker, shirt tail young ones, peeking in the pool hall window after school. You got trouble. <laughs>